Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Did you know that by 2030, 85% of jobs that will exist haven't even been invented yet? How do you prepare your teens for a future filled with unknowns? Today, we're joined by Dr. Lorna Bryant, Head of Career Education at Pearson's Connections Academy. With over 25 years of experience, Dr. Bryant is on the front line of shaping the career landscape for Gen Z. In this episode, Dr. Bryant is going to help us unravel the secrets of preparing our teens for success without overwhelming pressure. Dr. Bryant, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's start with your backstory, which I always like to do. What (laughs) inspired you to focus on career prep? Um, so, so probably a few things, you know, first of all, um, I was the, the first woman in my family to finish high school, um, which, you know, sort of was, was kind of the, the driving force early on then. Um, also I began my teaching career uh, in rural Arkansas, um, and then, uh, ended up the mother of, of a child with special needs, right? So all of those things kind of, um, have driven me to find ways to bring opportunities, resources, um, forward, right, in, in a way that maybe are not readily available to some populations and, and to some people. Um, and then obviously sort of thinking about how to leverage technology uh, in mm-hmm. pursuit of that, that access and that equity um, has been a really, really part of, uh, you know, very important part of my, of my career trajectory as well. So taking your personal story and turning it around to help others. That's Love right. That. <laughs> Love it. So what are you seeing right now? What are some of the common trends that you're seeing parents that are doing to support their teens? And then we'll go into what's working and what's not working. Sure. So look, I think I think what's what's really sort of compelling to me is the fact that parents are increasingly open um, to the idea of their students not maybe immediately pursuing a college education, right? Partly due to their own experiences. Um, the rising costs of college, right, and sort of the shift in the landscape that we're seeing. Um, and this shift in parental perspectives is really having an impact on students' career choices. Um, and I think one of, the, one of the main things I'm seeing with parents is this evolving perception um, of career and technical education, right? What we mm-hmm. used to call CTE, now we sort of call it career readiness. It goes by a lot of different names. Um, but this is no longer seen as just sort of an option for non-college-bound students, more parents, more students um, are open to considering CTE programs as, as viable career pathways. And I think when I talk with parents, one of the things that I find most encouraging probably is that they're no longer sort of looking at this either or approach. There's become a little bit more of a yes and trajectory. You know, maybe my student can pursue employment. They can also choose to go to college now or, or maybe later. So just that openness to some of these other options that are available to their to their young people I think is is really impactful. Do you think in your personal opinion this is a good track and a good way to focus? Um, I, I think I think it is um, you know when when we were coming up and I don't want to assume anybody's sort of age and generation but um, <laughs> you know we sort of largely relied on what adults told us um, mm-hmm. about careers and and how to get there. Um, and I think that what we're seeing is, you know, teens today have a lot more, um, they have a lot more agency, 
Right? So with, with technology, with social media, they have a lot of access to, to information about jobs and employers and training. Um, they're very proactive and sort of thinking about their career choices. But sometimes a lot of that can be really overwhelming, right? You've got all of these options. And so having, having parents that they can look to to say, look, I don't necessarily need you to tell me what to do, right, or what, what career to pursue, um, but kind of help me work through all of these options that are available to me. And then let's think about what might be the best choice for me based on all of these different paths that are actually available today. So I think it's a really, really positive shift. It is a wonderful solution. Now, yeah. what I'm seeing a lot in my practice is the opposite. I'm still seeing a lot of parents that have a very clear vision yep. of what it needs and what it means to succeed, which is getting straight A's, getting into the top college, yep. and getting a certain degree. Yep. and they're fighting tooth and nail with their kids who are struggling mm -hmm. to get straight A's, yep. who aren't really interested in going to college, let alone mm -hmm. a top college, yep. nor do they describe or define success in the same way. And there's a lot of conflict. Yep. What can you tell these parents? So this is, this is a tricky one, right? Because mm -hmm. I know it sort of often goes against what all parents think, but I think what, not all parents, I'm sorry, what many parents would think the first thing I say to parents is don't dismiss what you perceive to be a passion or a hobby, right? As if that's something that, yes, you do on the side and it's fun for now, but now let's think about what you seriously need to focus on down the road. Um, take some time to help your young people unpack that passion a little bit um, and find careers that will align with their passions and their interests and their values. And you'd be very surprised how what, something that might seem like fluff, right? That may seem like something that's just fun to do can actually really be um, a portal to something that can be highly fulfilling, frankly, quite lucrative. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I encourage families. And I don't think they take advantage of this resource enough, which is to work with your career counselors. Go to the resources that are available to you. You know, assessments nowadays are no longer just your grandmother and mother's aptitude test, right? Let me see what you're good at, and then we're kind of going to just force you into that trajectory. <laughs> right. I was me, supposed to be a rabbi, and I'm not even um, Jewish. I'm like, that was spot on. Um, I was I was supposed to um, work in the forestry service, and if you know <laughs> me, you will find that particularly interesting, right? I like, I like to kind of be walk outdoors. I'm not, I'm not going to go into the forestry service. So there you go, right? Yeah. Um, on, right. Exactly. But what they do, so many of these assessments now are like, well, let's look at what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, the kind of environment in which you'd like to make your living, right? So it's not just about, you know, the job that you do or the, the salary that you earn. What are the kind of environments that you would like to make your living in? And then let's match you up with the, the, the world of opportunities that are attached to that. I think the other thing that, that, that parents don't often think about when they're encouraging their students to pursue a career path is the value of these durable skills, right? We used to call them soft skills. Um, and we realize they're anything but soft, right? They are right. professional skills. They are power skills. They transcend jobs. They transcend, it might be somewhat AI proof if we, if we want to go down that road. Um, but a lot of what our young people are already doing demonstrate those power skills and when we look at data that's coming out right there was some there was a there was data the other day that basically said that recruiters and hiring managers nine out of the ten skills that they're looking for fall under this this umbrella of durable skills or power skills so leadership communication team building problem solving and a lot of what your young people are doing 
is probably demonstrating a lot of that, right? It could be being part of a team. It could be part of a, of a, of a career technical student organization. Maybe it's a part-time job that they have. But show them how to lean into those and hone those and amplify those because they're incredibly valuable on a resume. They're incredibly attractive to college recruiters as well as, as employers. Um, and I don't think we give enough time uh, to, to sort of to those um, when we're so focused on like, technical skills and academics. You mentioned the resume, and this is a big one, and I feel like parents a lot of times, and this is all well-intentioned. I'm not yep. putting anyone down for yep. this no, at I, all. It's very, yep. very well-intentioned. Parents are very focused on making sure their kids are prepped for the future and mm-hmm. have been set up for the future. My concern personally is that we spend so much time focusing on the future that we kind of neglect what they need today. So how do we help our kids build these skills? And as we say, they used to be called soft or anything but. How do we help them develop those? Because it's so much easier to focus on grades. We can see that. We know if they've done their homework. We know if they've gotten an A. How do we know if they're developing the right skills? Yeah. So I think, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a lot of what we're focusing on as we sort of build out our, our career readiness programs. Content is great, right? You want to have good career readiness courses, right? You want to have solid curriculum. All of that is important. It is one piece of the puzzle. So find ways to have your students engage in, whether you want to call it work-based learning, whether you want to call it uh, project-based learning, right? Make sure that we are, and lots and lots of schools, by the way, are starting to integrate those experiences into, um, you know, into their curriculum, right? Into their pathways. So yes, absolutely, content is important. We wanna make sure that they're, they're getting those technical skills. But as a parent, number one, if those options are available with it, at your school, make sure that your student is encouraged to and has the opportunity to, to participate in those. Um, if they're not as ready, readily available at your school, see if there are ways for you to find a way for your student to job shadow. Find a way for your student to participate in uh, an apprenticeship. Do you know somebody who can serve as a mentor for, for your young person? Um, all of those things not only, frankly, look good on a resume, if you as a parent are concerned about that, um, but they are excellent opportunities for students to demonstrate things outside of their purely academic or technical skills. And I think it's also important sometimes for parents to see them in action and to see, um, hey, look at my student thriving in something that maybe I dismissed or didn't think was particularly um, career focused, um, but they're thriving there because they enjoy it. It aligns with their values and their interests. Oh, and by the way, if it is a job shadowing opportunity or an internship or a mentorship, they're doing it with somebody who seems to have had quite a bit of success in that career themselves. So it's something worth considering for my child. So think outside the curriculum, right, is probably the the best advice that I can give to to parents. That is, and I want to throw in, too, when you're talking about having them look at all these different opportunities, part of what is building their skills is for them to figure out what those opportunities are and for them to seek those opportunities, not for us to do it, because the very skill of figuring it out and going for it and failing and trying again is the skill itself. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, right? And I think if if you even, if you ask Gen X or the boomers and you say to them, you know, how how fulfilled are you in your career? And I say this carefully because I'm tremendously fulfilled in my career, right? I think, you know, you may be as well, are as well, I'm assuming, right? Most people Mm -hmm. you talk to, but a lot of folks like, well, it was a job, right? I never, I never really thought about it as, 
um, you know, anything other than I need to get a job and, and somebody guided me into that field. And so I made a good living and, you know, worked towards retirement. And um, what's interesting is when we think about this generation around Gen Z, people are always saying, well, they really just want work-life balance, right? And they seem to think that that means they want to work as little as they can so that they can then, you know, go and, you know, be free on weekends and evenings. And when you actually speak with them, that's not what they're what they're saying, right? What they're saying is the time I spend at work, the time I spend in a career needs to be fulfilling to me, right? It needs to be something that I enjoy spending my eight or nine or 10 hours a day doing. There's a reason, and there's, I know there are, there are, there are, pros and cons to this, right? Because there is a lot of pressure on these young people for this reason, but there's a reason they're called the activist generation. They feel very strongly about environmental issues, right? When, when they go and look for a company that they want to work for, it's not that they don't want to work many hours there, but it has to be a company that aligns with their, their cultural values, right? What they consider important. DEI initiatives are incredibly important to this generation. Yeah. So um, I think it's making sure that, that that we are aware and understand that when they think about a career and a future, they're not thinking about these sort of two separate parts of their life. They're thinking about how they can really sort of meld those things together. Um, and that can be difficult for, for parents who say, well, look, I just see there's a path to a career and then there's the rest of your life versus those two things don't necessarily have to be mutually exclusive. I, I love that you're really talking about how we have to change how we view the career and the work life because it, it is changing and it is different. There's things where I hear like people quiet quitting, which just made my blood oh, roar, boil. I'm like, you mean they're <laughs> trying to leave at a decent time? How dare the they? Horror. The so horror. There's, this, there's this belief, and I hear this from yeah. I hear this from people older generation, my generation, a lot about how this younger generation are. Like they're more slackers. They're not as good at working. They're not as good at problem solving. They're not as free. like yeah. a lot of knots, right? Yeah. Do you think that we are raising generations that are don't have the same work ethic, or are we raising kids that prioritize something different? I you I think you've hit it on exactly that. They prioritize different things, right? And that doesn't look like it looked to us, right? right. We celebrated, and I know we, talk, we celebrated that hustle culture, right? We celebrated the fact that I will work, you know, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. That's how committed I am, right? And I think it has been such a sharp transition yeah. um, that I think it has sort of taken people aback. They think, oh my gosh, that, that must equate to laziness or that must equate to, you know, lack of commitment or, or you know, perseverance and persistence simply not the case, right? They're just, they are showing up differently. Um, and, and it's difficult for us sometimes to sort of align our own, our own paths with that. And I think it's certainly challenging for, for the workforce and for employers, but we're seeing employers start to shift, right? We're seeing them sort of start to make some of those accommodations because they also recognize these young people are very, very talented, mm -hmm. um, very committed, right? But it's okay to ask for a workplace that sort of shows up for you as well, right? In the way that, exactly. that you're showing us. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, how dare they ask to be treated well? <laughs> and expect that their colleagues are treated well and expect yeah. that there is a culture of inclusivity. <laughs> right. Who do they think they are? They don't Should, shouldn't everybody wake up on a Monday just like really feeling really pretty down and low and yeah. depressed and, and work? I mean, should you really be enthusiastic right. about going into and the And working for bigger homes and more cars and more this and more that. And everyone is so exhausted. Yeah. And I exactly. think that's what I always find interesting, exactly. too, is 
I see the very parents that are completely overwhelmed and exhausted from work pushing their kids for the same life. I'm like, they're looking at you going, I don't want that life. That, that, that's right. And I love, I love the way you put that too, because I think it, it opens a great conversation to a parent to say, do you want them to have what you had? I mean, exactly that question. Is this, and maybe it is, and that's, that's wonderful, right? But I would venture to say that if you sat down with most parents and say it was the path that you took, because it was hard, because it was challenging, because it was overwhelming, is there this sense of, well, yours needs to be too, right? Or you haven't earned, you haven't earned this, this, this great life that you're, I that you want to lead. I had to do it. Exactly. You have to do it. I had to pull myself up. You too have to do those things. And I think we equate enjoying your job or enjoying your life as potentially sort of taking the easy way out. Um, and I just, I, I think it's, I think it's the wrong way to look at what this, this generation is telling us. And I think, frankly, sort of forging the way for Gen Alpha, who are coming up right behind them, I think they've opened some doors and given this next generation an opportunity to kind of look at things with a little bit of a different perspective, which I think is tremendously healthy. It is, and I want to throw mental health into the mix because that's so important. And because we have that conversation now, mm -hmm. and because it is something that is out in the forefront, um, we are looking at how do we balance our lives and create a successful life. What does success mean now? That's right. right? That's success right. before meant you made lots of money and you had lots of stuff. That's and right. You had, right. Success now for younger generations means I am not stressed out. I am not, you know, turning right. to narcotics just to get through my day. I That's am actually right. spending time with my family. I'm spending time with friends and things I enjoy. That's success. So how we define to success and how we get it, I think we need to be open to listening to our kids on what success is for them. A hundred percent. And I think even if we think about the language that we use, right? Like we're having this conversation, you know, back at, back at Pearson, we're talking about, should we continue to refer to college and career as if the only way to a really sort of, you know, successful and fulfilled future, right? Is if you are gainfully employed, right? Or you're in a career or you're... And so we've sort of started referring more to sort of futures, right? Like, let's talk about your future, because that can look like many, many things, right? There are many ways to have a successful and happy and fulfilled future. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be tied to this idea that you have to be in a, you know, quote unquote, career. For many people, it it is, right? And that's wonderful. It was for me, it was for you. But um, we can sort of broaden that definition of what a happy, successful future looks like without being completely connected to, which I think for so many young right. people, that was kind of, well, for us, was sort of the, you know, how much do you make? What kind of a house do you live in? What car do you drive? Versus, to your point, are you happy? <laughs> are you satisfied? And that doesn't necessarily have to equate to, you know, having a super, a super high, high pressure job, which so many people think it is. Right. And then we look at the kids who have interests and I see this a lot too and you you mentioned this earlier and mm -hmm. I wanted to get this get to this they have interests that we see as fluff like they love their video games they love makeup tutorials yeah. they love YouTube and watching those type of things and we go that is the biggest waste of time right and yet like the stat I just showed in six some years 85% of the jobs we don't even know it exists and That's I'm right. gonna bet you they're going to have more to do with games, with YouTube, with tutorials, with the stuff that they're wasting Absolutely. their time on is going Absolutely. to be the skills they need. Absolutely. What do you think of that? 
Oh, I think you're exactly right. I think they are, they are, they are driving the jobs of the future, right? They are deciding what the jobs of the future are going to be, right? What, what is going to be prioritized. And so rather than dismissing it because we don't understand it, right? Or we don't relate to it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's not valid, right? And that it's not going to be valuable. And then the other thing is back to the point of sort of balance, right? Not everything that they do and spend their time on has to have the possibility of, you know, a career attached to it. Right. right. Yes. And I'm not suggesting that there shouldn't at some point, right? There has to, but so much of their time is already sort of spent in that area that it's okay for them to every once in a while want to sort of throw caution to the wind and do something else. I mean, they're entitled to, you know, sort of depressurize or decompress as much as anybody. And I think what we sometimes forget, and a lot of families will say, yes, but being, you know, tied to social media and being tied to their technology is these young people can't, I mean, things are coming at them at a rapid pace, right? They're, yes, we can argue that for generations we've had, you know, socio challenges and political challenges, but I don't think it was as in your face as it is for this generation and this group of young people. And so whatever they can find as well to sort of step back from that a little bit um, shouldn't be dismissed or discouraged, right? I think um, I think that's something that too often we think that anything that you know they do is, is a waste of time and that's not that's not necessarily yeah. true. Now I know there's parents listening that if they're still listening at this point because some of them may have tuned out going, no, this I want you just to tell me how to make my kids succeed. And I know there's plenty of yes. them. Yes. Um, but I think there's parents going, so wait a second. You're saying just don't worry about their homework, let them play video games all day, and that's how they're going to succeed. Absolutely, that's what they should do. No. <laughs> That's what your kid wants us to say. It'll make all of us, you know, feel less pressure. It's fine. No, not at all. No, I, I don't. I don't think that it goes back to that sort of. It's not an either or um, discussion, right? It's it's this sort of yes and conversation. Um, when we talk, when I mentioned earlier about sort of the work life balance, again, it's thinking of how do we integrate interests, passions, right? And yes, the thought of what we need to do in order to have a career when we're when we're finished. Um, I think one of the, the ways that we sort of start to meld those two things is to start having the conversations early. And a lot of people think when we talk a little bit about mental health, but if I start talking to my child when they're in elementary school, middle school about a career, that's just going to really, really you know, amplify the pressure on them to think about yeah. it. And, and I say it's, it's not. I think it's a couple of ways. First of all, let's start looking when they're young about what do you love to do? What are you interested in? And start to talk with them early and, and take some time as a parent, right, to think about how those things might actually be part of a, of a lucrative career or a fulfilling career moving forward. I also think that if we start those conversations earlier, by the time we get to high school, where we have to start thinking about how does this fit into your curricular choices, right? How do we start looking at whether you are looking at a four-year college, a two-year college, right? Something, something else. If we start having those conversations when they're 11th and 12th grade or start really pushing it at that point, that's when the pressure comes on. I've now got to start making decisions as a junior, as a senior in high school. My whole life has come to this, right? If I make the wrong step, it could be catastrophic. So I think if we are, as a parent, having these conversations and connecting them to their future and connecting them to the possibility of a career earlier, by the time you get into high school, those those things are, you know, they're, they're part of that that broader conversation without all the pressure of having to suddenly make a career decision as a junior or a senior. And there's an awareness of your, from your child, from yourself, that, hey, I can 
like what I'm doing, it can align with my interests and my values and my passions, and it can still be part of a viable you know, career pathway. So I think that conversation early with, is valuable to parents and students because it gives them all time to sort of figure out how those two things, what I like to do, what I love to do, can align with what I need to do in order to actually you know, make a living once I graduate high school. Yeah, and one thing when I hear you talking about that that comes to mind too is I think one thing that we can kind of misconstrue sometimes too is go, okay, my child from a very early age loved to do this. And so now I'm really focused on making sure they get all the lessons and get all the stuff to do this really well. And then they get to high school and suddenly they don't want to do it. And you've invested all this time and money and you've already seen and had lined up their career and they're changing. And I see parents say, you cannot quit. That's it. This is your ticket. We've been working on you. And the kids are like, I don't like this anymore. I don't want to do it. So what do you tell to the parents who, and this is a hard thing because we were raised, quitting is a terrible, terrible thing. (laughs) You can't quit ever. And I want to, I believe there's a difference between quitting and moving on to find something else that works. Exactly. Please share with me your insight on this. I, and I'm I, hoping you I, back I, me up. <laughs> no, no, I, I will. And not just because, you know, <laughs> I completely agree with you. First of all, I think parents see it as, well, that's just a waste. We've wasted time. We've wasted money. We've wasted, rather than sort of reframing it to go, but what have you learned? What did they gain, right? What are all the skills? Let's go back to those durable skills, right? Oh my gosh, I had my kid in hockey for, you know, eight years. And now suddenly, you know, he doesn't want to play hockey anymore, right? He doesn't want to be in. Okay, but let's look at what he's learned, the connections he's made, right? And then let's think about how we can take that and apply it to something else that he actually is interested in, right? That we can now take those skills and take what they've learned and apply them somewhere else. It's never lost right? The lessons you've learned, the skills that you've developed are never, never lost. The same thing is true when we talk about, you know, jobs today, right? People call it job hopping because, oh, you know, they, they don't like here, so they hop over here, so they move somewhere else. And because we, you know, sort of the idea was you stay, you show loyalty to one, to one organization, you, you don't quit, you stay that you stay the course, no matter how challenging it is. And I think they're starting to sort of demonstrate earlier on. It's not quitting. It's taking what I've learned. It's taking the skills that I have honed, right, and applying them towards something else that I'm going to be, I'm going to enjoy more and get more fulfillment out of. And I think it goes back again to saying just like quitting is not a dirty word, right, enjoying what you do is also okay, right? And I think yeah. that once, once, you, once you cease to enjoy something or it ceases, you know, it doesn't fulfill you anymore, it's okay to start considering alternatives. Now, I'm not suggesting that we hop from hobby to hobby to hobby to like, I mean, there's obviously something to be said for persistence and for grit and for, and for, you know, sort of staying the course when things do get challenging. But I don't think that's the same thing as saying you need to stay the course no matter what, because we put the time and the effort and the money into it. And therefore you don't have a path out. And that's another mental health issue. As I know you're well aware, right? There is nothing worse than being made to feel that if I, step away from this, no matter how unhealthy it's become for me, no matter how unhappy I am, somehow I'm disappointing people, I'm failing people. Um, No, it's just a way of let's sit down and let's think about what you've learned, what you've accomplished, and how we can now take and pivot to something that's going to benefit from what you've already learned and accomplished and honed doing something else. 
It's a big deal, and it gives them the opportunity to figure out what it is they really do love. Absolutely. If they're stuck in something they know they don't, they don't have the opportunity to figure out what they do love. Exactly. And that's really hard, too. Exactly. All right, All right. we've covered so much. <laughs> Dr. Bryant, what is one mm-hmm. big takeaway you want parents to, to have from this episode? Um, it's, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's a lot, right? <laughs> but I'm going to say, tr- trust your child. Right. Trust that their perspective has been informed by their interests, by their values, and that those things are a critical part um, of choosing their future path. But also trust that they are listening to you. You continue as a parent to have a tremendous amount of influence on your child. Um, but that trust is sort of predicated on the fact that, that you've been surfacing options to them. You've been supporting their perspectives. So that when you do want to, when you want to influence their path, right, they have to have that trust that you've actually been listening and valuing their perspectives as well. I love that so much. What is one thing they can do after listening to the show to start moving in that direction? Um, it's pretty simple. I mean, I think I would say do, do the research, right? Do the work. Go talk to your school counselors. They are a very underutilized resource in a lot of, yeah. in a lot of places. Um, attend those career fairs. Uh, find mentorships, right? It could be somebody in your circle. It could be somebody in your community, somebody that your student can engage with. Look for those work-based learning opportunities that, you know, those those job shadowing opportunities and internships. Um, just go out and find the resources, the reputable resources that are available to your child and, and bring those forward and explore them together. Yeah. My, my daughter is amazing at doing that on her own right now. She does so much research and finding and it that in itself, to me, is the skill that I'm like, she's going to be okay. She knows she's so resourceful. That resourceful is a, it's a wonderful, they are, right? They, they are yeah. so resourceful, which is why they, they know how to advocate for themselves. And I think yeah. we have to be, we have, it's a lot to give up, but we have to be willing to lean into that. I know. It was the <laughs> easiest thing for me to do because I let her do it and she did it. <laughs> Right? So much easier than me doing it and trying to make her do it. I just didn't do it, and I encouraged her to explore what she wants, and she does, and it's phenomenal. And it it, it has and it will work out, I'm telling you. Yeah, it's the best. All right, Dr. Dr. Brian, how do people find you? Uh, Well, you can find us on connectionsacademy.com, and you can also find me on on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I appreciate you, too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend. If you want more information on how to best support your teens, you can download my 10 top tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.